The Dragon Ray Bread is brought to you by the Armadillo Podcasting Club. Did you know two out of three armadillos think that video games should be written by Brandon Sanderson and not some fantasy author who spends all his time blogging about painting miniatures and complaining about the New York Giants football team? <laughs> <laughs> Don't know that. For more armadillo-related facts to find out how you can access episodes a day early and to see some super cool merchandise with our faces on it, visit us at armadillo.club. Time turns and ages come and pass, leaving memories that become podcasts. Hello there, welcome to the Dragon Reread. We're rereading Robert Jordan's Wheel of Time series of fantasy novels. I'm Jeff Lake. I'm Alice Sullivan. And I'm Michael Sparkman. And today we're covering chapters 27 through 31 of Towers of Midnight, book 13 of the Wheel of Time. Previously, we had our annual shittiest Tracan swimsuit competition. <laughs> Galad, obvious winner in his teeny mankini. <laughs> uh, Brigida is gone for maybe 30 minutes before Elaine decides to fling herself in the middle of yet another squad of Black Aja. Like, Brigida walks back in and she's just pulling things out of the kitchen cupboard and drinking them. <laughs> it's like, I can't handle this anymore. <laughs> oh god, I'm sorry. <laughs> You're right. She's like, like, I'm invincible. It's okay. <laughs> oh god, alright. <clears throat> oh my god, Elaine, put down the Drano. <laughs> <laughs> my babies. <laughs> Stop smoking cigarettes while you fill up your car. <laughs> no, Min said I'm fine. <laughs> oh, at this point, the kingdom of Andor unites behind a midwife to physically confine Elaine to her bed for what, maybe a week? Look, we just got this new queen, guys. We didn't know she had a fetish for autoregicide, but here we are. <laughs> Gawain is pissed that Egwene won't thank him for ruining her trap, like, not even a thank you handy. <laughs> You were just on it tonight. So he runs off to Andor to cry about it. I think in that case it's called a Palmerlin seat. (laughs) (laughs) So good. Uh, So he runs off to Andor to cry about it. Galad, although technically a Damodred, seems determined to reclaim his title through mass suicide by charting himself and his men into a magic Cuisinart a la Murder Wizard. But Perrin manages to stave off the inevitable massacre by offering himself up for trial. The judge, the suddenly revealed ex-queen of Andor Morghese, a.k.a. the only useful Tracand. <laughs> That's true, right? Yeah. This is why everybody's so impressed by Morghese. Yeah. Because she's, she's a Tracand and also, like... Not terrible. Usually doesn't suck. Yeah. She's like Martin Sheen. <laughs> <laughs> Go on. The, the good one who had a bunch of really terrible offspring. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, all right, yeah. Uh, you're right. That is true. Um, if you're listening. Emilio Estevez, if you're listening. <laughs> right. Check us out at patreon.com. Wait, Club. Emilio Estevez, his last name is Estevez. He's not a Sheen. Uh, I he, know, but he, he counts, right? He actually is. Wait. Martin Sheen, his original last name is supposed to be Estevez. Oh. Yeah. Oops. Yeah. Off to the side, uh, Rand is using his Tavarin powers to gaslight a bunch of starving Damani peasants. What? You always had the tools to fix this yourselves, but you are too lazy and stupid. I'm Randolph the Light. Peace out, bitches. <laughs> <laughs> that was that whole chapter. <laughs> chapter 27. A Call to Stand. The icon of the Tarvalon Flame. So, Egwene is corresponding with Darlin and Tyr, trying to turn him against Rand. Yeah, continuing her campaign to undermine the guy who's saving the world. It's uh, pretty irritating, honestly. Yeah, and, and Darlin's all like, 
you know, I don't think we should betray the guy who's trying to save the world, you know, the, the foretold Messiah and whatever, but I'll meet you there. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting because she accepts that the final battle is coming, like she knows that's real, and that they need to be preparing for it, but she, she can't, like, wrap her mind around the fact that the Dragon Reborn might actually have a better understanding of what, what needs to be done than her, you know? You know, I'm starting to think those I said I had it right when they were like, wait, she is way too young to raise to the throne. Like, <laughs> oh my God. Cause like, yes, she's incredibly, she's an incredibly powerful murder wizard in her own right. But what does she know about global politics? You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she's got Swan in her pocket, which is something, but I, I'm starting to get the impression that, you know, everybody talks about how bad Elida was, but maybe she was not actually that bad compared to most Amarlin seats, you know, maybe mm-hmm. that was just par for the course. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, we, we get, did get to see her uh, working and it was, Pretty unpleasant, but you know, yeah, yeah. maybe it's uh, all relative. So Egwene's, she has, isn't able to get Darlin to actually betray Rand, but she gets him to agree to bring his whole army to the meeting to, because I think Egwene, in Egwene's mind, that's going to show Rand that she's serious or something. It's, I, I, it's, I, I don't understand this at all because I thought Rand wants to bring that whole army anyway because it's the last battle. He super does. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think I think it's supposed to be like a support thing. Like, okay, if they're there with all their armies. That means that they're backing backing me or whatever. I don't know. The Dragon Reborn must see our full forces marshaled to oppose his brash intentions. So the idea would be that army is against Rand. Yeah, right? That's that's what you do when you bring an army to show your intentions, right? Uh-huh. I don't feel like the authors have made a compelling enough reason for us to back Egwene in any way. Yeah. Or are we just supposed to be like, you're fucking insane? Because like, I was reading this. It makes me mad. I'm like, you were a traitor. Yeah, it's it's really annoying. It it also feels like she's doing this almost in a knee jerk way. Like, oh, that's Rand's plan. I don't like Rand's plan, so I'm just gonna. That's just gonna exactly fuck it up. the way I feel. Like, if if she had some kind of principle thing, like I know something Rand doesn't. I found this thing in the archives of the tower that that is gonna throw this whole thing in a new light, and I need to get through to him. But none of that's happening. Exactly, we well, haven't gotten any of that. She just wants to be top dog. Well, okay. I am going to come to Egwene's defense a little bit here because, remember, the thing that she's operating the only information that she has is that Rand said he's going to set the Dark One free. Like, that's his big plan. Yeah. It's to let the, the ultimate evil that they've been, that's been sealed away for 10,000 years out of his cage so Rand can do something. He, she <laughs> he didn't tell her the second half of the plan, right? So that's the only thing I'll say that's in Egwene's defense. Yeah. She has, like, there's a lot of reasons she should just trust him because he should know what to do here but like his plan does sound a little batshit if you don't understand what's going on here yeah that's yeah that's true yeah that's the only defense i can give for i can have her but yeah i don't know so she's working ilian too so then sylviana comes in while she's writing these letters and she has news the trollocs have spilled out of the blight all across the border which we've seen we've been watching that happen yeah. in other yeah. chapters and i i mean this is probably a stupid question but if they have that many trollocs like hundreds of thousands of them what were they all eating in the blight. Yeah, that's a great people. question. The people. How many people? How many people a day does a Trolloc have to eat to, to survive? Maybe they, maybe they hibernate. It could be, yeah. Maybe or they may, can pods. Or maybe they can produce them really rapidly. So they just hadn't been producing them and suddenly they just like made 100,000 of them in a... In out, a out of in what, a, right? I mean, it takes a lot of food to make a person out of nothing, right? Yeah. Hmm. I, let's see. So, so like, it's like from a thermodynamic equilibrium standpoint, where did all those Trollocs come from? Just blind stop fucking. <laughs> yeah, well, they, they have to eat something. They're like yeah. rabbits. Well, right, they, they have <laughs> back in the Trolloc hometowns. There's a bunch of like like all the rabbit Trollocs that come out of the vats. They get them all into this 
in this town and you know they're rabbit trollocs they just go crazy <laughs> that must be it <laughs> i think okay i okay i, I don't want to like go too deep into this because I, I i'm going based on like you know faulty memory but i'm not sure trollocs actually reproduce don't they actually have to be made with humans and not a thing that's where uh, half men come from is they're the ones that don't come out right yeah but they're like you've sacrificed them or something i, I don't know it's it's just when you're talking about big military movements like this, when you read about it in history, it's all about what are they eating. That's the, that's the thing that matters, is what yeah. are they eating. Mm. Well, the nice thing is that once Trollocs are on the move, they find their own meals. That's true. But they feed themselves pretty well. But again, how, how long can one person sustain a Trolloc? One yeah. person's flesh? Yeah. A few know. days, right? They're magic, you know? Maybe they uh, yeah, maybe they don't need to eat people. Maybe they just do it for fun. <laughs> right, yeah. They, they, it makes them really sick. They throw up. Yeah. Then, other news, the Hall of the Tower is meeting without Egwene. Which she anticipated. Yeah, she's having, she's playing some kind of like 5D chess, where she's like, yes, that's exactly what I wanted them to do. <laughs> Finally, they're meeting without me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so she goes to crash that meeting, and they're worried that she's going to do that, that war powers trick again, mm-hmm. uh, where if they declare war on the shadow, then Egwene's going to be in charge of everything again. Yeah. yeah. So she's like, okay, fine, you can run the army and I'll run the politics and handle all the kings. Wink. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, right. And they're like, oh, well, that sounds like a good deal. You can just handle all these useless kings. Uh, And the deal goes through at the last minute before they realize that kings includes Rand, the dragon reward. The king of Ilion. And she's all no takesies, backsies. (laughs) Yeah. I really liked actually that moment where... She's, she goes along with their plan, like, okay, I can agree to that. And all the people there that, that have been with Egwene for a long time are like, wait, wait. wait. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, Something's happening. Yeah, they're, they're like kind of not sure. And then one of them is just like, like running through, right? What is she doing? What is she doing? And like she realizes, but just about, like just before she can say anything, like Egwene's buddies come in. They're like, yeah, we vote for it too. Ha ha. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. That, that, this was just pretty sweet. Yeah. yeah. So this is this is the stuff that I love about Egwene. Her is her her political maneuvering stuff is, is pretty fun. It made me laugh a little bit. Like her cronies come in. What motion are we standing for? An important one, Saren said. Well, I suppose I'll stand for it then. As will I, Yukiri. <laughs> the consensus is given. Oh wait, shit. <laughs> Egwene just Egwene's all over the place in the best possible way. Yeah. yeah. So unfortunately, I went from being mad at her to liking her again because this is the sort of stuff she does that I love. Yeah, this yeah. was fun. This this whole bit actually reminded me of like, uh, as everything does, the the American Wars of the last you know half century, uh, where you know there was just this authorization for the use of military force that was sort of broadly granted after September 11th, and then they've just been fighting endless wars forever and ever and ever yeah. under this was weird like one authorization, like you let them get the their foot in the door and they'll just be in charge forever. Yeah, that's a Gwen. That's a Gwen. <laughs> But she also uses the meeting to close a loophole that I actually kind of think is really smart because it's all about this like ice to ice scheming thing that's happening where they try and like secretly have meetings when not everyone can be there and like jam mm-hmm. things through that through that method. So Egwene makes the 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 makes them all agree to only hold votes when everyone's actually there. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, this is this is smart for Egwene. I don't think this is very smart for those people. Uh, for the sitters, because this means they can't ever do anything without Egwene, yep. right? Yeah, but I mean, like, they, they could theoretically outvote her at any time if she doesn't, you know, maneuver them the way that's, that she does. That's true, but if they, if she has to be there, then they can't hold a secret meeting, and that means she's always going to be there with her her faction or whatever. Mm-hmm. True. It seems like 
this weakens the sitters more than it weakens Egwene, but they do it out of what seems to be genuine righteousness. Like we can't, we can't have all of this, you know, infighting anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, she, she makes, she does manage to make it a little bit self-serving because she says essentially like you wouldn't want to have a meeting where you weren't there, you know? So, I mean, yeah. Then after that, Egwene sends Nicola and Nisa to go get some dream Terangriol to do some dream training. And this is all part of another plot to trap the assassin. Yep. Yeah. I guess she, I guess she's trying to make it known that she'll be in the dream at a certain time so that they try and attack her in the dream. Yeah, which if this is Masana, that should work. But if this is a blood knife, that wouldn't work, right? They can't go in the dream, can they? Yeah. No, I don't think so. No, I mean, they're, they're just, they're just uh, awake. I mean, they're, they're, they're basically uh, humans. They've just gotten like a little bit of like magical augmentation. Yeah. Anybody want to guess on how Gawain's going to fuck that one up? <laughs> well, Take he, some bets. He's out of town right now, right? So like, it'd be, exactly. real, it'd be yeah. harder. Does We're, it matter if it's the dream world? Oh, that's true. Oh, oh my God. Good point. Yeah. yeah, like she could be right about to defeat Masana and then gets just sucked into another Gawain sex dream. Yeah. Oh, God. Well, but, you know, I say that, but at the end of this chapter, Gawain's like, well, I guess I better bring Gawain back. It's yeah. Like, why? 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 I don't. I don't know. Oh, I have no idea. So I, I get that she wants to eventually break off a piece of that, but right now, what is? What do you need this guy for? I, I mean, she thinks she's gonna die or something, probably. I, I, I think it. Battle. All I can figure is that she, she plans to bond him, and she just doesn't want him to know it, or doesn't, doesn't want to tell him that because she doesn't want him to like. She wants to break him first or something. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I just say like, Egwene is young. She should play the field a little bit. <laughs> like yeah, right? She doesn't need, need to be locking it down, right? I mean, sure, this guy's a prince, but he's not a good prince. Yeah. She could do way better. There, there are better princes. There are better trachans. <laughs> true. <laughs> uh, you think, yeah, I guess Galad is a better trachan, isn't he? Even though he's not technically a trachan, he's a damage Oh, that's a good point, yeah. But, but I, I still consider him part of the whole trachan thing. Sure, yeah. He's yeah. an adopted trachan. 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 Whatever. Whatever. Trachant. <laughs> Yeah, if, if you care about the pronunciation of that name, email us at hello at armadillo.club. We won't read it, but we'll appreciate the thought. Yeah. <laughs> Chapter 28, Oddities, Icon of the Trollocs. So, Perrin and Fayil discuss his trial plan. Uh, Fayil is kind of into him doing crazy shit. She's like, I, I don't like this plan at all, but I love it when he does things that don't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, that seems kind of on character for her. Yeah, she's drawn to chaos. Yeah, she likes the chaos, and, and I guess she likes... Likes thinking that she doesn't know what he's going to do. You know, she doesn't. She doesn't like uh, him to be too predictable or whatever. Yeah. And Perrin says something's weird, wacky. He's going to go check out the wolf dream. Yeah, there's because as we mentioned previously in in other chapters, the air is, has like a stale feel to it, and yeah. then he notices that there are no wolves here, and even other animals are starting to leave the area. So. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and all, he also says that he's not going to let the white clothes kill him either way. Even if the trial doesn't go his way, because so like, yeah. you know, it's not. Let's not go crazy. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm. I look. You know what? I'm glad he said it because, like, that's not necessarily something you take for granted with parents. Because you might just be like, "Well, I guess I got. I guess I got charged with it. I guess I'm gonna have to get my head cut off." <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which, which way to the gallows? <laughs> <laughs> look, I gotta do the right thing. Yeah. All right. No, I'm glad he's. I'm glad he's decided not to let him kill him. Also, in this meeting, my favorite part of the chapter, maybe my favorite part of the book so far, is that Perrin mentions that. Balwer is going to be really embarrassed when he finds out that Megden was more gay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, Perrin. Oh, man. Yeah. I think Fayil even is even like, 
I think you probably do. <laughs> yeah, Baron is just not quite there yet. Yeah, it's fine. It's... Bless his heart. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed. So in the dream, uh, let's see. He wakes up at the Tower of Genji, yeah. which is interesting. Yeah, he's just hanging out there, which I guess because he was thinking of Matt or something, or I don't know. Why. Yeah, I guess, well, I think the conclusion they come to is that Matt's fixation, because they're all Tavarin and drawing each other in, actually kind of sucks him over there. Yeah. And then he uh, checks out the, that purple wall, which turns out to be a big old dome, dome. over that area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which I guess is the dream spike or whatever. It must be, right? Oh, right, the dream spike thing. Yeah, which we need to understand what it is, but and I still don't entirely understand why it's called a dream spike when it seems to be some sort of dream dome. But whatever, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> and Slayer's inside the dome are killing wolves. Yeah, okay. Like, you have this magic thing that can trap someone in a dream and you use to, to trap and kill wolves? It's just what he likes. Is I Slayer guess. just a dick? I mean, yeah. like, I mean, well, he probably decided he is. Well, Slayer's after Perrin, right? How do you attract Perrin? Like, you grab his girl, or you kill some wolves. Uh, that's fair. That's a good point. So, so if he's trying to like get Perrin's attention, this is the way to do it, right? Yeah, and, and a it works. Purple dome. Yeah, <laughs> and it, it super works, right? <laughs> yeah, and the, the, they find that the, you can only get through the the wall of the dome if you are fully centered in yourself and confident in who you are. Or (laughs) (laughs) you just curl yourself out of it. Curl yourself out of it (laughs) and just fall out the other side. It's fine. Hopper's like, you have to be completely yourself, young bull. And Baron's like, I ain't got time for that. (laughs) Here we go. (laughs) (laughs) Hello. I'm gonna eat myself across. And it totally stuns him and knocks him out, kind of, but it works. It does work, yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. And then the parent hopper managed to save a wolf and escape from Slayer. Yeah, but Slayer is, like, like they rescue the wounded wolf and Slayer is pissed off about it. Like, I guess he doesn't like when someone takes the thing he's going to kill. I don't know. He's yeah. he got, He's got feelings about it. Yeah, um, I mean, his name is Slayer. It's not give up her. <laughs> Catch and release her. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, but thanks to Perrin's dream kung fu, he gets away. <laughs> yes. So Perrin's getting good. Yeah. And then we cut to Iteralde. <sighs> Every time we cut to that guy, I just feel worse and worse for him. <laughs> no, he's got the worst job. He really does. He wakes up in Meridon. He doesn't know exactly why the Trollocs haven't attacked yet. He's been summoned to the wall of Meridon with Yoli. Yeah. And the Ashaman are like, it's real weird. There, there's some channeling going on out there. Somebody's doing something. Yeah, not great. So that's Dreadlords, I, I suppose, right? I guess we, you call them that now, right? That's just sort of a generic term. Well, for, I, th- I think Dreadlords is what they all, what they always called the the male channelers yeah. who traveled with the right. That's right yeah, yeah. So yeah, but I wonder. I mean, I mean, you know, maybe it was a rank. Maybe I don't know. It's kind of. I mean, it's it's kind of a it's kind of a dumb name, right? I mean. I it's, think it's, it's kind of cool. I, that it's would, fine, I guess. I mean, there's I, I, very few things on the list that would make me turn dark friend because their lives suck so much. But being able to be called a dreadlord, that's pretty cool. I just feel like it's the kind of name that you like give to yourself when you're like 12 and you're like on the internet for the first time. What's your name? Dreadlord 69, 69, 420. <laughs> okay. All right, kid. I mean, the other guy is literally named Slayer. We just moved from Slayer to Dreadlord. So. That's a good point. Yeah, 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 okay, between Slayer and Dreadlord, I think Dreadlord is probably the better name. I, well, th- you... Blood when, knives. Yeah. When do you recruit dark friends? When they're in their teenage. teenage yeah, that's right? a good yeah. point. Yeah. Stupid teenagers. Yeah. That's a good point. It's I just like Lord military Voldemort. recruiting offices. You get them young and dumb. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I am Lord Voldemort. Death eaters. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
then uh, they find out what's going on out there. Like literally minutes later. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's a giant explosion. Yeah, I guess the the wizard cannons. Yes. And uh, Iteralde is uh, tossed off the wall. The whole wall is breached. Uh, He's dragged to the medics and healed. Um, And then they have, then then one of the, uh, the Ashaman there is like, okay, I have this thing I can do. Where it's going to make you feel really good, but it's really bad for you. I was like, wizard cocaine. Got it. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. I was like, wizard meth. <laughs> yeah. Here, just sniff this. It's magic. He's like, oh yeah, I feel great. Let's go. You guys want to run some laps before you fight these drawings? <laughs> well, that's what Moraine did to the horses back when they were fleeing that's and true. it's in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> Give me a little wizard cocaine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wizard meth. <laughs> wizard meth, yeah. <laughs> and then... Iteralde, reasonable chap though he is, realizes that it, it is retreat o'clock. Yeah, he's like, he looks around, he's like, this place is fucked, it is time to bounce. Yeah, but Yoli gives him a message that help is on the way. They've seen a signal that Yoli's sister has, has, is sending help. And if they just hold out for just long enough, they can get reinforced. And Iteralde's like, I don't know. And Yoli's like, what, are you a great captain or not, eh? <laughs> yeah. He's like, oh, God damn it. yeah, yes, I'm a great captain. All right, fine. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much what happens. So he says, sets about organizing the defense. Trap. Yeah, and it's this epic plan. It's really cool. Uh, defense in depth thing where he, they, they back off and feign a retreat to lure the Trollocs into the narrow streets of the city. And then all the archers pop up and start pouring fire down onto them and slaughter them in the streets of Maradon. This was fun to read. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah, this, this, is, this is great. I mean, this is a. This feels like how Eater All Day dies or something like that, but this is, this is pretty, pretty sweet to. Some cool tactics. It's cool, uh, cool battle. It's, it's fun. Yeah, and uh, so they they have held the day. One more hour at Maradon. <coughs> Chapter twenty nine. A terrible feeling, like another wheel of time. So Fail and Berylane and Aliandre uh, are in a walk, you know, chatting with each other. Mm-hmm. And Fail has to rein them in from meddling with the uh, white cloak situation. Yeah, it's yeah. interesting because. Like reading this, they're all talking about Perrin, and the, they're like, they have the same problem that the Kyrianan had with Rand, where they're way overestimating the complexity <laughs> of his planning. They're like, oh, he wants he wants something from the White Cloaks, but what? Yeah. And it's like, no, he mostly just wants them to stop trying to execute him for a murder. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. What what's what's his double game here? And you know, he says, you know, I'm going to go through the trial. If I win, great. If not, we'll kill them all. And that's <laughs> that's it. That's his plan. <laughs> that's the plan. Yeah. And they want to go and do Game of Houses stuff with the White Cloaks. And yeah. Fael won't let them. So another mark for Fael. I think this is two positive marks for Fael. <laughs> Fael has, yeah. is so much better in these books. So much better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They also talk about how pretty Galad is. Oh, yeah. Berylane has got the hots for Galad. A yeah. perfect thing left behind for us to worship. <laughs> I, I, so Fael has this comparison that she does. She's like, it's like the difference between, uh, like, Perrin and Glad is the difference between, like, a stained glass window and, like, a cabinet. No, a, I mean, a really nice cabinet. But still, I mean, it's a cabinet. <laughs> you know? I mean, you could, the, the stained glass window is really beautiful, but do you want to marry a window or do you want to marry a cabinet? <laughs> and then there's a weapon attack. All the weapons come alive and attack their owners. Yeah. Yeah. And for some reason, their one weakness is dirt. Lucky, I guess, because they have a lot of dirt. There's dirt everywhere. Yeah. yeah. They're dirt rich. And, and we, we do find out that, uh, like, Perrin's hammer doesn't come alive. 
I guess yeah. it doesn't count as a weapon, but the Fael, sorry, the Aiel spears do come alive. Oh. Come on, guys, you're not fooling anybody with that. <laughs> weapons. That's yeah, yeah. Right. Then we get to uh, Morgase and Galad catching up. He feels bad for killing Valda for the wrong reasons. Should have killed him for the right reasons. Uh, sure, whatever. I don't know. Yeah. She's trying, like, I appreciate this because she's really trying to talk him out of this, like, white cloak bullshit, you know? Yeah, she tries really hard. She seems like she almost gets through to him. With, yeah. With some basic reasoning. But he's a tough customer. I mean, there is the title of shittiest Trachan to consider, right? <laughs> yeah. But it does feel like she makes a little bit of progress. Then they get the message that yeah, Galad's reasoning seems so self-centered, you know? Like, he's not really being logical here. Mm-mm. He's sort of like, I don't know, motivated reasoning. He's just trying to, he likes the conclusion where I have to kill Perrin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. It it's, it it does seem like something he's he's like trying really hard to rationalize, but I, I don't know. Yeah, because there's there's this whole bit where Morghese tells him a story of this person that she had executed, and it turned out that person was innocent. Yeah, and he's like, "Well, you did what you thought was right at the time," and she's like, "Yeah, but I but it was wrong, you know. Like just I thought just because I thought it was right doesn't mean it it was right. Do, Get it? Do I deserve <laughs> to die?" <laughs> Yeah, and and the story of and he talks about she talks about how well you were threatening to kill all parents' guys. Linny is one of those, right? You know Linny, and he's like, ah, uh, well, I would have recognized her. It wouldn't have happened. Yeah, which is not like no, probably not true. He probably it, wouldn't have killed them himself. He probably would have, would have had his men kill them, right? Yeah, right. plus that's real immature thinking. Yeah. yeah, that's not that's not reasonable. No. Yeah. So, but it does it does feel like she makes like like he's starting to like crumble his resolve. His resolve is starting to crumble a little bit. Maybe I don't know. I hope so. Uh, because I actually don't want Galad to die. He, he's not the worst trackhand. He's not the worst, worst trackhand. Or the worst white cloak. Yeah. Yeah, right? Uh, he's yeah, the he's best white the cloak. Best white cloak, yeah. Is he, is he the best trackhand? Uh, no, that's Morghese. Yeah, that's Morghese. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the worst is still go in. Galad is just beneath Elaine, maybe, right? I mean... It depends. It, Elaine varies, you yeah, know, yeah. day to day. That's right. That's true. So the Perrin requests another day because of the weapon attack. And the White Cloaks are all like, he's obviously lying. But they, they give him the day anyway. And Perrin's back at his camp and they're tending all the casualties. And so, yeah, Perrin mentions how his hammer didn't attack him. And mm-hmm. all I could think was, oh, great. <laughs> now we're going to hear about the freaking hammer and the axe. <laughs> he's like, good thing I threw away the axe because the axe would have attacked me. But the hammer, the hammer, even though it's heavier, is like not as heavy as the axe. Because the axe is a weapon. And gotta, yeah, like four pages later. Okay. All right. Okay. Here we go. But, but the thing, I can imagine like his conversation with Fayil where she's just like stitching or something. And he's like, but the hammer, I mean, it's heavy, but like it's, it's symbolically heavy too, right? Uh-huh. Yes, Perrin. Yes, 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 I, yes, I understand, Perrin. <laughs> but no, I don't think you understand because the hammer is actually heavier. <laughs> but the, he's like, oh God, okay. <laughs> yeah. She's like, come to bed. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, maybe I need to let myself get kidnapped again. <laughs> Then Tam takes his leave. Yeah, so I guess our timelines are catching up here. Yeah, right? I guess, yeah, to go uh, make the the yeah. continuity work. Or uh, Jeff might argue that the author suddenly remembered where Tam is supposed to be. That is what it feels like. Oh my gosh, that's yeah. what it feels like. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's just like, oh, I got to go somewhere, and I'm not going to tell you where it is, but it's really important. Why didn't they tell him where it is? Yeah, it's fine. He's it's going good. to see their, their mutual acquaintance. Nynaeve is the one who brought him. Yeah, why didn't I need to say hi? Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, they don't they don't tell anybody because they don't want those plot lines to actually interfere with each other. But they need, but Sanderson needs this person to be in that other place, right? 
Sloppy work, Sanderson. <laughs> the thing about Brandon Sanderson. <laughs> uh, so uh, then we get to Elaine, who is carried to a, on a litter to a perfectly safe occasion. <laughs> field test of a new firearm. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's like she wants to go watch the, the, the explosive weapon test fire. <laughs> and she's like, I wanted to be over there on the, on the exploding tower, but they told me I had to be over on this one with a fake exploding tower. <laughs> like, dude. Yeah. <laughs> dude. Dude. <laughs> And she makes she makes him carry her up this wall so she can watch it. It's like, Elaine, come on, come on. And maybe she can give him some wizard cocaine to make him feel better after <laughs> So uh, they they test fire the cannon and it works like perfectly well. Yeah, yeah it goes it goes very well. Yeah, they missed the first time and then the second time they hit the uh, group of dummies and, and smash it like five or six of them. Yeah, well, but even sure. when they miss, it's like a huge explosion. Yes, you know? It's very, very impressive. Guess we've got artillery now. Yeah, well, Brigida is watching this and she, she kind of recognizes that this is not necessarily all good, right? Yeah, and Brigida's like, wow, that sure is going to kill a whole lot of people, you know, yep. when everybody has one of these. Game and Elaine's teacher. like, this sure is going to kill a whole lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> And these aren't even these aren't even yeah. explosive, right? This is just like uh, kinetic energy, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. It's it's. Uh... They're not. I thought I thought they were explosive. I thought they were like little bombs. So she was working on that, but they uh, they said when they were first building this that those were not ready yet. She okay. Was, they're right now. They're just using iron balls. Yeah. So they're to my understanding, they're compressing like hundreds of years of canon developments in real history into you know Eludra working overnight with the Bell Founder, right? Yeah. Right. Uh, but yeah, they started out with what they have now are, are dumb balls, uh, which they're usually anti-siege uh, or siege weapons because they're, they're for knocking down or degrading walls or, or, you know, scaring people off of walls. And so they shoot these balls really fast. Uh, it's interesting that they built these depressed cannons because my understanding is that the first cannons that were made were mortars that shoot up and come down mm-hmm. because that's easier to do stuff with. Yeah, these yeah these are direct shot, right? Yeah, horizontally aimed. So they they skipped way way ahead in terms of firearm design. Yeah, uh, but it's you know whatever. But yeah, Brigitte is upset. Yeah, I wonder if she has any memories of this kind of thing. I was trying to think like maybe maybe the Age of Legends, right? If she has memories from the Age of Legends, that would have been uh, yeah. they would have had uh, maybe not firearms, but they definitely had projectile weapons. Yeah, and there's a. It's kind of an interesting thing that happened historically is that, the, that when you have firearms, it requires a lot less training than, uh, than bows and arrows and the other kinds of warfare. So you, you can, that combined with some other things, you can mobilize a lot more people and have a lot, just much larger scale warfare. We talked which about means people like Birgitta, who are expert at a particular kind of warfare, become obsolete. That's mm-hmm. a good point. Uh, we, I think we talked about this back when uh, Matt was first organizing his... his um, I can't remember what they call the them. crossbow guys. The, yeah, the, the Legion of the Dragon. Yeah, Legion of the Dragon. That's right. How they were like essentially riflemen, and you yeah, know, they were able to accomplish a lot with you know with less training. Right. So chapter thirty, men dream here. Icon of the Wolf. Uh, Fayil's checking in with their Fayil spies. Yeah, and preparing a contingency plan just in case Perrin's uh, brilliant strategy of telling them exactly what happened fails. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean. He's going to tell them that they killed his wolf friend? That, I mean, that's that, he already told them that. That's, that's true. What else is he going to tell them? I, I don't know, yeah. I, I, I appreciate that she's trying to help him, but I also i am I'm not entirely sure how I feel about this. Because it kind of feels like she's not giving Perrin enough credit. But on the other hand, she's not entirely wrong about the way Perrin operates. So, I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm on the fence here. Yeah, I, I'm on her side. You know, I... 
I'm the most file positive of this group, right? That is Obviously. true. But yeah, he needs he needs the backup. You know, he's in a he's in a, like a Game of Thrones type situation where there's a lot of vipers here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I think it's wacky to go into a trial situation that's you know that that is uh, overseen by somebody as connected to all the parties as Morghese. True. Mm-hmm. And Fael's just looking for the exits, which is good. And, she, and she's not like overriding him. She's not trying to stop his plan. She's just trying to cover the contingency. So I'm, yeah. I'm in favor of it. Yeah. I, I guess my only concern would be is if somehow the White Cloaks catch onto this and see it as some sort of sign of like um, like dishonor or, or malfeasance. Oh, or yeah, yeah, that could happen. But there's a good chance they're going to do that no matter what. Right? True. Yeah. So then Hopper and Perrin are sparring in the dream. He's getting pretty good. I'm getting a little tired of all these wolf dreams. It feels like the Perrin chapter has been very repetitive. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't mind it. It's kind of fun. It's like uh, he's he's doing like his, his like, mont- uh, you know, maybe it'd be better if it was more of a montage. But yeah. yeah, his like dream montage where he's like, oh, now I can teleport. Oh, now I can bend the world around me. You know, it's kind of cool. I think Brandon Sanderson just liked Perrin the best. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Because we had entire books where Perrin was just not around. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Perrin started doing the things that uh, that Slayer was doing, where he he manipulates the the actual dream, the fabric of dream, yeah, reality. dream world stuff with mm-hmm. like willpower. Yeah, uh, but Perrin's training is not coming along fast enough, so they're taking it to the next level. Hunt nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, hunting nightmares. It's cool. Yeah. <laughs> so they go to Camelin, which is like Nightmare Central. Yeah, apparently. And Perrin hunts nightmares. Yeah, the first nightmare they find is this woman who's having a nightmare about the dragon reborn coming to eat them. And Perrin's like, whoa, now, I know this guy. He doesn't eat people. <laughs> yeah. So it makes it easier for him to get out, I guess. Yeah, and so it's not about fighting the nightmare. It's about rejecting the nightmare and imposing your own vision of reality on the dream. Which makes sense, you know, dream stuff. Sure. sure. And then... Hopper takes Perrin to Dragon Mount, where all the wolves are gathering for the decision. Yeah, he said. Yeah, so, so, so Hopper keeps looking to the north, and then he says something like, um, "How the the last hunt is gonna is gonna happen, or it isn't, depending on a decision that gets made." It's and it's like it's interesting because this is this is like a wolf memory thing, right? Like wolves remember everything that's ever happened, which I guess means they remember previous cycles, which means they sort of remember the future in a way, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of, it's it's a, it's like a little bit like a reverse prophecy, but it, you know. Yeah. I, either way, it seems to be that they're thinking about Rand's choice on Dragon Mount, which makes perfect sense because <laughs> I think Perrin asks, like, what happens if they, what, what, what happens if we don't have the last hunt? And Hopper's just like, nothing. <laughs> just nothing. Yeah, nothing. We get nothing. Yeah. Everything Rand unmixed reality. I'm always thinking of that thing that somebody mentioned in, I think it was the second book, that was basically if Rand is turned to the dark in one reality, he's turned to it in all realities. And yeah. if, he, if he stays good in any reality, he stays good in all realities. Like everything's connected in some way. Yeah. And so, and, and like, I think Ishamael said at one point, they just have to corrupt Rand one time. Mm-hmm. Right. Because... Because it breaks the cycle, right? Like if, yeah. if he's if he's good, then the cycle continues, and they get another chance. If he goes if he goes the other way, then yeah. it breaks the wheel, and there's no more cycles. And in some cycles, he just dies or goes crazy or whatever. But right. that's not the same thing as right. him going evil. Correct. 
Uh, so I guess the wolves would remember that. The wolves remember that that's never happened, or that it that it might happen. They, yeah, maybe they remember this choice has happened several times, and like here we go again, you know? Yeah. Oh shit! Here oh. we go again. <laughs> that's my wolf voice. Yeah, yeah. That's, whoa, whoa! Was there a wolf, there in, there wolf in here? <laughs> oh man! <laughs> but so there's a uh, in the dream. There's this giant storm going around around Dragon Mount, and Perrin is drawn up into the storm. He can't resist it. And it's it's a terrible maelstrom, and he's using his willpower to keep to make a bubble of safety around himself so he can climb up. And eventually, he witnesses Rand's decision, which is kind of kind of cool. Yeah, sure. And here, it's much more explicit. You know, it's not just Rand getting over himself. Uh, it's like you know, black and it's like black stuff all around him, and you know, white light pouring out from a tiny spark within. Very CGI heavy this time. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, this is going to be like the whole season budget, probably right here. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, as we know from last book, Rand chooses love over evil. Yeah. Yay. Sure. Yay. And the, the wolf crowd goes wild. Yeah. Everybody's super happy. The hunt begins. Yeah. 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 That was, I mean, that was cool. I kind of wish we hadn't seen this already from another perspective because yeah. we know what happens. Yeah. It's, it's interesting having these chat. Oh, you know, this is what it is. This, this was... Wasn't this originally going to be one really big book? I guess so. Like if these, because it's the timing thing that that keeps bothering me, right? In this book, is how all this stuff happened in the past, and so we're we're this doesn't seem very connected or important with anything else. Yeah. yeah. If this had been like contemporary, it would have been that you know Star Wars thing where you have these separate storylines that intercut and affect each other that all come together in this in this great climax. You know, see it from multiple angles, and that would have like underscored the the power of the moment. Yeah. I think that I think it was the I think this was originally meant to be part of the same book as the yeah. previous book, which would it would I guess it would have probably worked a little better in that way for that. Yeah, but it would have been a crazy big book. It would have been like yeah. this is a big book that we're holding in our hand right now. But it was still this is still kind of cool. I like this wolf crap. Yeah, it's great. Mostly. Chapter thirty one into the void. I kind of the dice. So Matt dicing it in. Using his luck to cheat at dice, as opposed to his opponents who are attempting to cheat by more traditional means. Right, yeah, and he is not having it. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, he doesn't even know the rules of the game. And they're like, you lost. And he's like, nah, I don't lose. That ain't me, bro. <laughs> they're like, I thought you didn't know how to play the game. Yeah. It's like, I don't, but I know I didn't lose. <laughs> <laughs> this, I also, I know we've heard this before, but he's calling himself Master Crimson. <laughs> like that's that, okay. That's his undercover name. Yeah, yeah. uh huh. That's good. Okay. No, I, well done, Matt. Yeah, all of Matt's like this undercover, like his backstories. His oh, it's it's yeah. so good. I mean, this is Pat Crimson. <laughs> <laughs> Pat Crimson. No, right. I'm I'm from the three streams. <laughs> <laughs> the three streams of I'm a merchant from Andor. <laughs> My best friend is the lizard who came back. <laughs> The the return the, the returning lizard the the, the lizard orang it's a boomerang lizard I don't know oh. uh, but he then you know what a moment that honestly was pretty cool for including how silly it was he throws off his crimson disguise and puts on his matte coffin disguise <laughs> he un, un, unsheathes his ashandere and like. Puts on his mat hat and takes off his scarf so they can see his scar. Yeah, pulls out his medallion, like all yeah. the all the costume bits. Yeah. <laughs> so that people will recognize him. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty cool how people don't recognize him at first, but then people are like, oh my god, oh, so, 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 so. 
it's the, Ra- the Prince of Ravens. <laughs> yeah. And he just heads out into the street, being as conspicuous as he can. Uh, various, like, gangs attack well, him. This is when the dice actually finally stop rolling in his head. And they've been rolling for a long time now. I don't remember yeah. exactly when they started. It was, like, even before he had that encounter with the Golan, they've been rolling in. Yeah, right. It's yeah. When he, yeah, so it, it was this decision, I guess, to take this chance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, so the gang, various gangs attack him, but he's got a bunch of, like, soldiers hanging around to fight off the gangs. Yeah. Because that's not what it's about. Mm-hmm. He's looking for a trap. Yeah. And then he finds it. Gary the Golom. <laughs> Hi, Gary Golom. Good to see you again, man. Yeah. yeah, they have like a little snappy exchange. It's, like, it's kind of funny. I mean, is this guy Matt's best friend right now? <laughs> I know, right? Like the kind, of, the kind of best friend that only your nemesis can be, you know? <laughs> right? Yeah. And yeah, Gary actually gets some character now, right? He's yeah. kind of like smirking a little bit. Yeah. They have like a rapport. I know. Yeah. Your men who squish and rip, who die so easily, almost out of touch. <laughs> I'm tired of being chased. So you deliver yourself to me? What kind? What a kind gift! Oh. Sure, just mind the sharp edges. <laughs> <laughs> oh, get a room, you two. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but he's no hero, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he has a, he has this like snappy exchange with the monster of legend. But right, you know. yeah, yeah, the, <laughs> he's sitting there like, and I don't attack him. I let him because like I'm no bloody hero. I stand there and let him attack me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, so Matt's plan is he's got the, the medallion tied to his spear and he's going to fight it out with this guy. Yeah. Uh, his soldiers make like a ring of lantern fire all around him. Yeah. For, I got to say, for a guy who's not a hero, this, this whole fight is uh, what some might describe a heroic battle uh, between light and dark, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so he fights it out with the golem. Uh, it's kind of a tie because he's got the Ashandarai and the... The, uh, the medallion. He managed to burn the golem a few times. Yeah, he actually starts to... I, I would say he starts to actually be... He, I would say he's, he starts to press and kind of win, but the golem changes tactics. Yeah. Because uh, Talmanes comes up and... Uh, well, he, he starts to smash all the yeah, lanterns, sorry, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah, the golem starts to smash all the lanterns because Darkness is his ally. Right. And Talmanes comes and grabs one of the lanterns and the golem starts chasing him. Because, you know... The golem's all about killing Matt's buddies. Yeah. He's like, oh, yeah, Matt really likes that guy. <laughs> yeah. And so the golem chases Tominus, and Matt chases the golem into a building which goes up completely in flames within about five seconds of them getting to the front door. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, 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 spilled that lantern. Oh, well. There was nobody in there. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, but they, they go in there, and Matt has a further extremely cool fight with the Golom. He's yelling in the old tongue. Yeah, screaming. In oh, for no. light, glory, and love. Oh, no, but it, like, there's this great moment where uh, Matt throws his spear because the Golom's about to get Telmanis and like trips the Golom, and the Golom's like, ah, and he's like, aha, the spear, and takes the spear and throws it inside, and Matt's like, oh, no. And then the <laughs> Golom goes after him, and he like, pulls out more medallions. He's like, fuck you, bitch. <laughs> yeah, all kinds of medallions. I wow. got more medallions. Yeah. Yes, and he's yeah. fighting him and it's- burning him, and... And he, he forces him into the, the building and then into one of the rooms of the building, which just so happens to be a skimming gateway that uh, the kin have created. And the golem falls into the skimming gateway, into the inky blackness of nowhere and falls forever and ever and ever. Yeah. I mean, we don't know if he falls forever. Yeah. Nobody's ever tried to fall. <laughs> <laughs> they, they think he's falling forever and ever and ever. Yeah. yeah he's going to like show up in someone's toilet or something. <laughs> Oh, so apparently goes to the toilet. I don't know. Somebody else is going to be skimming through there, like in, in 5,000 years, and all of a sudden it's shoop. Oh, crap! <laughs> uh, I wonder if that would kill the golem. Probably not, right? He'd probably be fine. Yeah. Yeah. And mad. And very mad. And bored. 
<laughs> so board. it was what? all a trap. Yeah. The so, whole plan was to use Talmanes to lure the golem into this building and, and send them into the inky blackness of the skimming world, whatever it is. And that's another loose thread tied off. Yep. Yeah. Brandon the Closer Sanderson. Yep. Yeah. Well <laughs> done, sir. The house. Good job. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's that's cool. It was pretty fucking cool. Yeah. That, 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 again, we had some some really great chapters. These are these are bangers. Right. Yeah. So he actually. So yeah, Matt got help from the kin. He got help from Guybon. Remember Charles Guybon, that guy. Yeah, yeah. the captain, right? That guy's got to be a dark friend, right? He just came out of nowhere and he's really cool. He he seems awfully suspicious, and you know maybe it's just because everyone who's useful seems to be a dark friend. <laughs> yeah. Elena's really good at bringing dark friends into her inner circle. She is. <laughs> she, she like attracts them. Yeah. And uh, and then Matt, they briefly discussed the reward. You know, this guy killed a bunch of people, right? He should yeah. pay us, right? Yeah, yeah. It's got to be a, a reward for that kind of bounty, a bounty or something, right? Yeah, right. You know, he just saved a lot of people's lives. Hmm. Yeah. And then Matt's done here. Job complete. Yeah. So uh, that's the that's the golem signed off or, or, or written off. That's what's left. Yeah. yeah. How, how long has he been in town? I'm trying to remember. He, was, he has to stay for thirty days. Is that the deal? Yeah, that was the deal. Or he has to read that letter from. Varian and do whatever it says. At this point, he's out of stuff to do, right? He's got, he's got the dragon thing taken care of. That was like thing one. He's got the golem taken care of. That's thing two. He can't leave, so he's going to read that letter, right? Yeah, like, oh, yeah. I think boredom is probably the one challenge that he cannot <laughs> overcome. Yeah, that letter's going to get read in the next, like, I would say, ten pages. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I thought... I thought the fight was okay, but I thought it was a bit anticlimactic, you know? This, this golem's been wandering around for a long time, and Matt just gets it. Well, I mean, it was, it was a pretty epic fight, you it know? It was pretty cleverly done. And, yeah. and not to mention the fact that, uh, you know, obviously this was a match plan. He mentions that his plan was to shove a medallion down its throat. So, like... That's pretty good. I mean... <laughs> well, that, how, that would probably be very unpleasant for the Golong. But also, how are they going to hold it down? It squeezes through door keyholes. I did mm-hmm. say it was a good plan, yeah. So, so this is where we ended up. You know, I, I was hoping that there'd be a little bit more finality and like they'd actually kill the damn thing. But you know, it's fine. Falling forever is probably worse than death, right? I yeah. thought it was kind of fun because like he went out there to trap him, but the, the golem knew it was a trap, and then you know, like it ended up being a trap. So it was good. Yeah, actually, that's a, there was a kind of a, a moment there where the golem looks over his shoulder, and Matt's like, "Oh, he knows that the 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 channeler is there, but he." He thinks that's the trap. He thinks that there's a channeler there. And he's like, well, that's not going to work on me. Yeah. So it's, yeah. I guess just as a, as a comparison, when the golem shows up in Ibudar, like right at the end where they've been searching for the, the bowl of whatever forever, and they find it in that old library. And the whole time they've been like, like Matt's been trying to keep up with them and they've been blowing him off. And then the golem shows up, which they cannot deal with. And Matt like does maybe the first like big damn hero thing he does uh, maybe that's definitely not the first, but, but he shows up and he deals with the Golom. Yeah, remember when he fought the the king of the Shido and defeated him? Yeah, that was one of the single combat. Yeah, I know. <laughs> also, like he he entered the Stone of Tear using explosives and rescued them. Whatever. Okay. So he oh, also, also, he went through that archway and like you know got hung anyway. I, I guess my only complaint is that it kind of made the whole medallion thing not important. Yeah. It, it was. I mean, it was the only way to. To, it was the only way to not get immediately killed by the thing, right? Like anyone sure. else who who fights the golem is. Yeah, no, I get, it, but I thought that was going to be like the key to his destruction. Yeah. it was just nope, we're going to open yeah, up thing and just whoop, so push what, him out. What would have had narrative weight, which is what I was, the thing in Ibudar did, but this didn't. I think would be if something like he had to destroy the medallion to kill the golem, mm. or mm. like 
you know, he has to, yeah, he puts it around the goal on the neck and that paralyzes the thing, but they can't kill it. So they have to just bury it or drop it in the ocean or something. Mm -hmm. And he loses the medallion. Yeah. This feels like there's not a lot of consequence. What I, I wanted to happen is, so Elaine is mentioning that, that the shape of the medallion, she doesn't think it actually matters. And it's just like the, the quantity is silver. I was like, make a weapon, right? Like make a, make a knife, make a, make a, oh, yeah, make right. a chain out of this, out of That's silver. That's a good idea. Yeah. Mm. And, give, and give it the same enchantment, right? But you know what Matt's really good at? It's putting knives in people's eyes. That's a great point. Yeah. It all the time. Yeah. I think that Gollum would probably hate if it had a medallion knife in its eye, you know? Yeah. yeah. And he does have a shitload of people who can like work metal for him. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I'm surprised nobody thought of that, but you know, it's, it was, it's Elaine, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's it for this episode. Next time we're going to cover chapters 32 through 35 of Towers of Midnight. I'm Jeff Lake. That's at Jeff underscore Lake on Twitter. I'm Alice Sullivan. That's Blue Bonnet Cafe on Instagram. I'm Michael Sparkman. I still don't have one of those. If you have any comments, questions, or feedback, please drop us a line at hello at armadillo.club. We love hearing from you. Please share us with anybody you think will like us. Please give us good reviews wherever you got this. Please find out how you can give us your dollars and even wear our faces in our <laughs> clothing uh, at armadillo.club. Please like us in real life. We're just so likable. Until next time. The, the light, light illumined you. you.